Hi, I'm Lisa Wicker. I'm the head distiller at Widow Jane Distillery in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, this is Mary Kelly here from Widow Jane Distillery, and you are listening to the Cast Chasers podcast. Hey, Cast Chasers. We have quite the treat for you in this episode because we are going to try three different whiskeys from Widow Jane. And joining us along with the tasting and excellent conversation, we have Mary Kelly, president of the D.C. chapter of the U.S. Bartenders Guild and portfolio brand ambassador of Samson in Surrey, and Lisa Wicker, president and head distiller of Widow Jane. So pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers podcast. Cast Chasers. So this is a pretty exciting day for us because joining Bobby and Aaron and myself today, we have Lisa Wicker, President and Head Distiller from Widow Jane, and Mary Kelly, DC President of the U.S. Bartender Skilled Chapter. Guys, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, like I said, I think we're going to have a lot of fun catching up. So welcome, yeah, welcome. I'm looking forward to it very much. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank um, you for having us. Yeah. Um, so we were going to do this in studio and and it was a whole different structure. And then I guess weather got in the way. But um, in true whiskey fashion, nothing can get in the way. So here we are. <laughs> you guys zooming in. Thank you so much for that. And we're in the studio warm and cozy with your whiskey yeah. sitting around us all Thanks. over. So yeah, yeah. So we're excited about that. But um, yeah. So again, thank you. Thank you. So I missed this before when we were kind of chit-chatting. Did you guys actually have any whiskey on the side with you? Because I know we've got some beautiful examples of Widow Jane here today. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa just held up the whole bottle. <laughs> I'm going because I have to taste through those. I, this is a good time to taste through those, right? While oh, yeah. Example. Oh, yeah. It makes <laughs> me feel weird that my glass my isn't. Floor, the whole floor, the whole cabinet, the whole floor, like, you know, is all, it's all Widow Jane. <laughs> yeah. It comes, it comes out. I have a little bit on the side. I have a, I'm, I'm definitely having some Widow Jane myself, um, imbibing with a little bit of the vaults um, this afternoon as well. The 14 last year. Awesome. I think we have we have the Valentine, um, mm-hmm. which is a later on discussion. I think, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, the decadence mm-hmm. and the what's the other one? Another 10 years. Uh, you'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. You never walk, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my wife is an avid, huge fan. So we have everything else you've ever been around and touched and made. Right. So if, if you want us to reach in there and grab something, that's good too. I would so. say on the table is a respectable amount of Widow Jane whiskey. If you look behind the camera, people are going to ask if we have a problem. So yeah, 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 yeah. We're fans. We're fans. I gotta I say, I don't think too much whiskey is ever a problem. But <laughs> amen. Yeah, yeah. So in your world, I don't know about your world, but in our world, we have not whiskey people. Yeah, one of my best friends from college because he he just happened to see some some press that we got, and he uh, he said, "I don't understand at all what you're doing, but congratulations." <laughs> <laughs> like we drank together so much, it's like how can you not know? Oh, that's the most <laughs> sincere compliment. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but good for you. <laughs> Um, I need to know from the bottom of my heart how one goes from wine to costume design to running a distillery. I I need costume to know what the, wine then distillery <laughs> is that it? Okay, there it is. Yeah, can you walk us through like a brief as you want? Just kind of what that looks like from the big what Wilmington, Indiana was like before a widow Jane was existing in your uh, in your care. Yeah, Bloomington was a weird place to grow up, right? I mean, a great place to grow up, but I thought the rest of the Midwest operated like that because Indiana University's there. Um, you know, was, there was, we were exposed to a lot. There was a lot of diversity. You know, when you got older and you were drinking, you could get fried chicken at 2.30 in the morning, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I got married and moved to the East Coast, like to Hartford, and you're thinking, oh gosh, a city. And then it's, it's like, there was more to do in Bloomington. <laughs> there was, you know, but like, I was so naive, right? And yeah, so you know, life just happens, and I have three grown children, and um, as children tend to do, you know, they end up being your focus. And then we moved a lot. Their father's in manufacturing, and and um, so I always had some kind of odd job. Worked in a biology lab, and when I was an undergrad for three years, and did technical writing and photography for them, and and thought I was going to continue to do that, and did some freelance writing, but. Um, 
my a, a close friend of mine in high school and college, his parents owned a winery um, in Bloomington, non-traditional wine country, right? And that's when I got my head around the idea that you could get you can make alcohol for a living. And um, I actually heard from him last week because he just sold, that's one of the largest wineries outside the state of California now. And he just sold it for an obscene amount of money um, and um, will continue to be on the board of directors there. But, um, you know, the idea that they've had so much growth, his father was a law professor and was getting a lot of the Indiana farm winery laws passed because it was an advocation that he wanted to turn into a a vocation and a family project. And so understatement, like you said, they are a million gallons of wine a year now. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. It's pretty big. And so I actually heard from him last week too, because he's, he's saw, you know, cause we're hitting some weird places now, the places I never, you know, mm-hmm. places you never dream you're going to go right when you're laying face down over a trench drain with a scraper. <laughs> We've all been there. Just trying to God, get the could, scrape. How many times I've said that <laughs> trying statement? Trying to make your mark, right? Trying to you know learn everything you can about the industry, and so it's some days I'd wake up and like, oh my gosh, what a crazy ride this has been. So anyway, we you know ended back in the Midwest and a different different um, town, and they had a very small professional dance company. And long story short, I ended up starting a costume company. It took off, and we ended up costuming for lots of underserved arts areas and. But then during that time, okay, here's the crazy pieces. It's like, well, you, you know, have two, uh, not me, but two theater majors here. So they hear things oh, like that and they hi. get the both of them. Oh. That's awesome. I danced with IU Ballet for 10 years. You're kidding. I, oh. I don't no, know what that I'm, means, but they're, they're, they're excited. Yes. And that's what's important. Part two of a podcast. Yep. <laughs> yes. So many people with the back, there's obviously a link between the arts and drinking. So a lot of us end up. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> One way or the other. So, yeah, I end up, you know, I end up doing this. And then two kindergarten mothers that um, these were the moms with my youngest that like, like we had to be like separated on the field trip bus. <laughs> Not the kids, you with guys. Because the, they obviously had their flask and that's where you fell in love with. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I taught them how to take extra thing, drink of Excedrin when they couldn't get to a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> I was that mom, the marginal nice, mom. Nice. So. Um, yeah, so they, they were working for a little tiny Indiana winery and they said, we need people to harvest grapes and you want to do that? I'm like, sure. I think it was going to be a couple of weeks and I love to be outdoors and I, you know, had tinkered in the wine industry years before. So, um, that job went from, ended up being three months long. I was costuming a nutcracker and, and, uh, harvesting grapes at the same time. And, and, uh, we sold grapes to another winery and I, the owner there, I'd known him for years. He knew I didn't mind getting dirty. He'd asked me to come to work for him several times and then was kind of, you know, bent out of shape. He's like, you're working for another winery and you didn't come to work for me. And so, um, he called me again and said, would you please come to work for me? And I said, yes. And so I found somebody else to run the costume shop. I would did overlap for a little while. And, um, um, three days in, I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing. It just all, everything, it's so much sense, right? And I had a lot to learn, and I still have a lot to learn, but that's where it took off. So I was there eight years, um, and when my youngest graduated from high school, I had an offer um, in a couple states and then also in Kentucky, and I grabbed onto the Kentucky one because I wanted to learn to distill. The winemaker that trained me, he and I, he'd really introduced me to whiskey and to distillation. We weren't doing any. That's a felony. So we weren't doing it. <laughs> for the record. Is for that the something record, we're We weren't out? doing any. <laughs> <laughs> these, these guys call me like, I've got this still set up in my apartment building in Brooklyn. And I think I'm like, oh my God. At first I'm like, it's the other F word. It's felony, right? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> you also can burn, burn your neighbor's homes out. So, you know, you might want to. We, we call it water distillation. When we, when people see our kits. So yeah, and that's for, um, essential oil. Right, I think right. is the, yeah, so I, so I, that's where I am. Cause I went to Kentucky and built a winery, um, got myself on the legislative committee so I could get a brandy thinking, or I was still thinking I was going to make brandy cause I was six miles from maker's mark. Right. So I was in the heart of, heart of whiskey country, uh, met Steve Beam and started, we were each other's extra Santa set of hands for the next couple of years. And then 
Um, the owners of the winery were getting ready to get divorced and it looked like the winery wasn't going to survive, which it did not. And so I booked a ticket to Sonoma thinking I was going to have to work a harvest and then come back to Kentucky and regroup. And Paul and Stevie took me to dinner and hired me 24 hours after I resigned the winery. And that's why I got into Thank God. faster and earlier than I ever dreamed I would. So baptism by fire, <laughs> literally. But by fire yeah. spirits. That, that was yeah. one of the things that I was really excited to have both of you on to talk about today because, Lisa, your background in, in being on the creation side of all these spirits, you know, starting in wine and brandy and then moving into whiskey, just that process is something that I think is so awesome from a scientific and, and a cultural perspective. But then, Mary, on your side, I mean, just how do you get that out? Like once you have the finished product, once you understand what you have, how do you share that with people and really help be part of a distillery like Widow Jane's story in doing so? I think the most important thing, especially in my role as brand ambassador or even the USBG, is we talk to consumers and, and bartenders about um, about spirits in general, um, is really backing really working for um, a brand that you connect with and a brand that you love. I'm, I'm very lucky to um, like widow Jane also be from New York. I'm from upstate New York after right in the finger lakes where quite a bit of the corn grows for widow Jane. Um, but being part of the finger lakes, it's, you know, it's agrarian. We, we grow grapes, we grow corn. Um, but a lot of what we grow up there goes straight into spirit. So from the time that I was born, um, it's been all kind of been all around me. My first jobs were, we're really in wineries too. I mean, we clip grapes when we had to make money as a kid, you know, they, everybody always needs somebody to go out there and bring in lugs and grapes. There's no better job for, for a kid really. So I'm really getting, getting really behind what you're, what you're, what you're trying to share with somebody and, and treating it almost as um, a guide or a sharing experience. Uh, Cause that's what I think people are looking for when they, when they look to food and beverage to hospitality, they're trying to share experience with other humans. So, um, you know, you, you want to, you want to bring something to your friends that, that you're going to enjoy together um, and, and really be able to communicate um, about the people who are doing it. And so I think we're always growing up right next to wineries and, and, and doing that. Um, I've always had a, a good picture of, of all of the steps that go involved and all the, all the human hands and the human stories that are behind them. The first time I ever had Widow Jane, I think is a kind of a, kind of a fun quip is in, in that, um, just what we were talking about, a, fr a friend of mine who was running a beverage program shared it with me. I think at that time it was an eight year. I don't think it was a 10. Um, so it was many, many years ago. And I, I mean, even at that point, I really just fell in love with it to the point where I would carry it in my purse uh, before it was my job to carry it in my purse. <laughs> I would do that and literally share it with every, any, anybody. So when I actually took this role, it was not hard for people to believe that I meant it. <laughs> I hope that was in your interview. They just said, so why? And you were like, well, if I can open my bag up real quick. <laughs> and then I, she said, I need an excuse for this in my bag. That's okay. What I need. Okay. okay. You're in. You just see them write that down. Then she pulled alcohol out of her. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my gosh. Um, do you guys think, and this is a question for both of you. Do you guys think that with the wine to whiskey piece of it, I, I think, you know, wine it's such an established culture. Like there's such a romanticized view about the winemaking process and stepping on grapes like Lucy and then just like sipping it back in Napa Valley or something. Do you think that an appreciation coming of it from the wine perspective is something that's kind of shaped the Widow Jane story and the products that you make or, or you promote? Oh, I mean, it certainly had, first I'm going to back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mary is part, you know, obviously part of our front team and we have the best front team anybody could ever wish for. I have learned so much about advocacy. Mary doesn't know this. I didn't know about the widow Jane and her purse. She doesn't know this, but like last year, our company meeting in Miami, you know, way pre COVID and stuff, I was slipping in behind her and then just ordering whatever she was ordering. <laughs> you know, for at least three drinks because over the couple of days, cause I'd like, Oh my gosh, I would have never thought to order that after I heard her the first time. And so then I would slip it. She doesn't even notice. I was slipping behind her and then just get whatever she Oh, that's so She's funny. She's a cocktail judge. We were going to do, we thought about doing cocktails. And I'm like, not with Mary. I can't make a yeah. drink in front of her. She'll, that's not all wrong. She doesn't even need to taste it to tell me it's Throw terrible. it out. Don't Toss start over. Out. Just leave. <laughs> She'll Gordon Ramsay us all. To be very honest, it's really hard to make a cocktail that doesn't at least a little bit taste good. You got to uh, really be trying. So I made a Manhattan. Let me rephrase that. 
I made bitters in a glass with a splash of Manhattan. So, yes, you can ruin a drink. Don't worry about that. I think they call that an Angostur. I mean, there's a, there's a, like an Angostura sour. That's, that's don't, what you made. Don't give him that. That's what I made, you guys. That's what I made. It was, it was awesome. It was the best one of those I've ever had. My signature drink. <laughs> yeah. That'll answer your wine thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of the reason I got hired. Um, and part of the reason Steve Beam hired me because they're like grape varietals is not that far off from corn varietals. You know, we're all used to yellow dent, right? And, um, but with the heirloom corns, the whole idea of tawar, the whole idea of the whiskeys made around the flavor of the grain rather than the flavor of the grain dictating that, you know what I'm saying? So that piece of it, I know that's part of the reason I got hired. I know it was, um, also the reason I got hired at Limestone Branch and at, with Samson and Surrey is because of the blending experience that I had, which started with wine which I learned after going from wine to whiskey was not anything the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same and completely different. Um, you know, so I had to kind of reinvent the wheel when I started working with Steve Beam and um, we'd already, that's part of the reason he hired me. We'd already been like blending in the evenings, just tinkering and blending and messing with stuff. And so I know that's, you know, like I said, that's the reason I got my foot in the door with that, but yeah, so it's been an interesting continuation. And for me, I loved winemaking, but, it is still does not hold a candle to, to, to distillation because you can do one more thing with it. You know, it's like you could mm-hmm. just could have a good fermentation. That's great. And then you hold on to the wine, but now you can do one more, like you keep messing with it. You push right? it one step further to see what yes. you can get. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I love compass box by the way, too. I think that what they're <laughs> doing is doing some pretty remarkable stuff. Missing yeah. all these whiskey shows. I know. <laughs> It's like you need a Rolodex of just like keeping tabs on everything and just <laughs> so much. All right, so we've got a handful of uh, of Widow Jane's uh, portfolio here with us. Uh, if we could just talk about a couple of these, if you've got, how, however you want to talk about them. I mean, some some people like to talk notes, some people don't like to talk notes. If you want to talk story, however you want to go about it. What I, should we pour first? Yeah, let's start with that. Yep, we have the uh, Valentine bottle, Never Walk Alone, and Decadence. Mm-hmm. So the Valentine bottle is our 10 year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a really cool thing we're going to be doing. So I'll probably mention that so people can pop on and, and take a look at that on our Instagram at, after they hear the show. So I would go 10 year and then I would go, you'll never walk alone. And then to decadence. Okay, great. I've got 10, I've got 10 year. Do you have that? I'm going to get more of it. All right. Give me, give me another drop. <laughs> I was already Sorry. called out for having mine filled to the brim. So I'll wait to finish mine and then fill it back to the brim. The fancy way is you were letting it breathe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's what I, yeah. And you made an Agnostura, whatever you yeah, made. <laughs> we can, we can make up things that make us sound better. Actually letting Widow Jane breathe is a really good idea. See? The enough that it really benefits. There are people, I get these comments sometimes like, Oh, I opened a bottle. thought it was Okay. Um, and then I revisited it two weeks later after I took a pour out of it and it was like a whole different whiskey. Mm-hmm. We get that frequently, especially with our older, like what Mary's drinking, the 14 year old and the 15 year old They I, are like really old, fabulous red aged red wines, um, where they start to open up, you know, where they can be just too tight a little bit at first and then they'll start to open. Um, you know, two. my daughter was so excited about a bottle of wine that we were gifted over Thanksgiving and we thought, <laughs> open it and, and pour it. And, we really ha- we had to abandon it and drink it the next day. We had to abandon it and cap it, and because it needed to open up, it was a totally different wine the next day. It's too chalky the first day, and yeah. Most people in the whiskey world tend to have pretty similar ideas and agree on a lot of things. Two things that I've I don't want to say argued about lately, but have been in some type of debate has been terroir, which I buy into. I've actually, there are people in the whisk makers that say it's minimal to nothing there. And then it. it is true. And then the neck pour or rather, you know, letting a bottle breathe. There's people there that say, oh, you just put air in it. Nothing really. Ha-. That's, it's bizarre that those two things aren't, they have to be scientifically proven, right? They, I mean, you're saying they're real. They got to be real. Well, to our, it's, you know, the, the proof isn't just in the flavor of it because everything is so influenced. Um, I have this story, um, if I ever, you know, I tend to repeat my stories, but when I first moved to Kentucky, I'm making wine. Um, the, the owners threw a party. Um, they said, we want you to meet this guy. He's making some, you know, whiskey in his barn. And, and I tasted it and he's like, what's wrong with it? I said, it tastes like silage. 
And he goes, oh, well, I didn't have enough corn to fill my fermenter to make it enough to go into my still. And I filled it up with silage. So you can't, I mean, everything distills over. So there's no way to excuse Tor. I'm growing corn in three states. Um, Pennsylvania is just seed corn, but New York is seed corn and production corn and Kentucky's all production corn. And the, it, like two years, two years ago, we planted it all the same week, just because the weather conditions all just worked out that it ended up going in the ground in the same way. That wouldn't be normal, but, um, you know, we had an eight week harvest window on it because there was an eight week spread about when it was, um, ready to be harvested. And, the flavors are different. I mean, you can tell it's our corn, but it doesn't. It, and then storage, right? I mean, I I turn down grain sometimes because the way it's been stored, it tastes like a barnyard, and that's going to distill over. So that's tar with exactly. negative tar. <laughs> there you, you have know. it, folks. I'm right again. Wow, there's just no way that the yeast influences the flavor. You know, when you're picking a yeast strain, you pick it for the conditions like is it high stress or do you have temperature control? But you also pick it for the flavor, right? You pick it because you want to like bury some flavors that are off flavors. You want to enhance flavors that are good flavors. And so all of these decisions, decisions that you're making, whether it's the cook temp or whatever, are all but that's all to our, and you can't, you know, you, if you put in it, we all know this about sister barrels, right? Even in the same rick house, that it could be the same lot and the same cooperage next to each other for six years, whatever, and they don't taste the same, right? That's right. the reason we have sink barrel expressions because they don't taste the same. And it's influenced by the wood that it's in. So maybe those two casts came from different treats, right? So it's all, I mean... You know, the, what Mary's drinking right now, um, the 14-year-old I rebarreled and some eight-year-old air season wood and this last year Appalachian wood, but I did all kinds of wood trials. And all of the oak tastes different. I mean, we know this, right? We know French oak doesn't taste like American oak, but then even with the American oak, we know Missouri oak doesn't taste like Appalachian oak, doesn't taste like Minnesota oak, doesn't taste like Hoosier National Forest oak. You know, it it all has... It, its own personality. So there's wait, no wait. When people say that they don't think there's any tour, it's like, how can there not be? <laughs> I like how passionate. It would, be, it would be the only naturally occurring thing that isn't affected by everything around it. Right. You know? Like think there, about Omaha steaks, right? Yeah, I mean, when you think about it in terms of food, there's something to be said about what, you know, the livestock that you end up eating are actually fed and what the conditions they're kept in and all of those details that are so like nobody thinks twice about it when they're talking about different cuts of meat or different types of food that you're eating. That's why we it's have so clear. many organic movements. But yeah. I've had that with and not just other whiskey people like enthusiasts, but actual people in the industry. And they've said it's not there's not really a lot of and I'm thinking, man, I've had a a, Patrick Heist went off on a tangent with us about terroir. I mean, he just are you? How could it not be? And he just went off on his. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad I'm on the same side as Patrick. So you I always want to like, be on the same side as Patrick, right? <laughs> I like how passionate you are, and then he she got yeah, nervous. I had a slight heart attack for a minute. That we were disagree. Like, oh, I can never disagree with Pat. <laughs> the great cast chaser schism. So ten year. That's what we're diving in now. That's what I'm drinking. Yeah. Yes. It's gorgeous. It's so smooth. Yeah. One of the things that came over from winemaking that um, totally surprised me is that whiskey some bottle shock. You know, yeah. so know about bottle shock, right? And wine and surprised me to no end. I don't know why I didn't cross my mind that that could ha possibly happen, but it certainly does, you know. So you, you work and work to get something blended and then you put it in the bottle and you pop the bottle right off the bottling line to taste it. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> uh-uh. I'm fired. Yeah. <laughs> There's, yeah. there's a great movie. It's called Bottle Shock. Um, it's got Chris Pine and, um, oh my goodness, a few other folks in it I'll circle back to in a minute. Um, Alan Rickman. That's who I was thinking. Sorry. How Chris Pine and Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman. Because all I could think of was him falling off of. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the die hard moment. Sorry That's all I could think of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's a great movie and it just follows like in the 70s, um, Vintners from Napa before it became, you know, a Winos. landmark. Yeah. The winos out in Napa before it became competitive with French wines. And so they get through and they have this beautiful Chardonnay that they're transporting overseas to just be entered into a French contest, a French wine contest. And that, that happens and they pull it out and it's all murky and they think it's been ruined. I don't know what to do with this now. There's no turning back. And then they just needed to let it settle, I guess, because of just, you know, all the factors that went into transporting it and having to go through that. 
So. Yeah, nobody's ever really studied it because it remedies itself. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's money to be made and the remedy, then everybody would have studied it. But because you just have to let it do its thing for a minute, you can bottle shock a wine with wine with it, you know. So, you know, you just have to remember that, you know, because maybe you'll be drinking a, a bottle of wine with somebody in another country or something. You're like, oh, this is the best wine I've ever had. And then you bring it back. And if you don't let it sit for a little bit, it may not be, you know, like, oh, well, maybe it's because I'm not there, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, because the wine's messed up. But that's one of the things I love so much about what you do and what we tell people why we like what you do to put something in a barrel or in a bottle and to cross your fingers and to go, well, hope it makes, you know, hope, hope, I hope something <laughs> doesn't fail. That's nuts to me. That's the concept of it can all go wrong. And then if it does, you have to pretend like that accident was on purpose or, you know, that's, it's all done. It's all gone. That's crazy to me, but I've never you even heard child raising process. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a father. That's true. I've got four kids. I'm hoping for one. One makes it. That's the... <laughs> hope you don't screw... You've got good raw material. You hope you don't screw it up too badly. It's yeah. exactly what we do with this. <laughs> and it's like age, too. The older one... This yeah. whole thing with non-age statement. My oldest isn't my best. So it's like... It doesn't... You know, I'm just, it's the younger generation, I think, is really what what represents what I've tried to what I was trying to accomplish. I got to keep my mouth shut. Once you know, my kids will listen to these things. So I have to be careful because I have overstepped. That's that, those are the comments I usually have to pull out. I was like, can you not say that about my kid? Right? Now? I tell them so they're aware. They're That's fine right. to their face. So challenge goes, them. Goes one of them. Yeah, inspire them. Yeah. We'll be better then. <laughs> no, I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. I love my kids. I love them to death. They're they're amazing. Some more than others, but that's, you know. How many do you have? I have four, four boys. Um, but uh, no, they're great. They are. They're great kids. I took my oldest son to um, uh, Old Line Distillery and our friend Mark and everything. And he went and his fir- my son's, he's um, 14. So it was his first time at a distillery, oddly enough. Um, my, the first time I went, I took my youngest, he's five. I've never in my life, I complain about this all the time. I've never gotten to thief whiskey out of a barrel. It's my dream and no one ever lets me do it. And come to Brooklyn when this stuff's over with, I will let you thief a million barrels. You say, you say that. And then I go, so we go with my son, my five-year-old, I look over and Mark's got my five-year-old at a barrel, letting him thief whiskey out of a barrel. And I'm supposed to be proud. And I'm like, that son of a... <laughs> you know? so said, we'll come, but we'll bring one of the other four kids just to get his yeah, place in line first. Yeah. <laughs> so my oldest son went and he we were at dinner last night and uh, he saw us do a live podcast there and um, at the distillery. And he said, you know, it was just neat to... I, I said, did you enjoy yourself? Did you like the distillery? Was it cool to learn about, you know, how everything works? He was just like... I just think it's neat to know that you guys are actually uh, cool sometimes. <laughs> and that moment, I was like, I made it. I made it. That's all you need. That's all you need. I was like, in the, I was like ready to bottle. This is, this is finished. <laughs> this is ready. This is good. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I've got two grandsons. I have a um, seven-year-old and five-year-old grandson, and their dad is the chef in residence at Maker's Mark, right? So they think Maker's is a state park. <laughs> oh, that's funny. We go down and play in the creek. Yeah. Isn't it though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so funny. So, you know, because my daughter's joked a couple of times, she goes, people, you know, in Bardstown, it's not unusual to ha- have your grandmother working in the whiskey business. It's not, you know, that she might be in payroll at Beam or she might be on a bottling line or she might be on a, dis- you know, distilling assistant and on the plant floor somewhere. Um, and, you know, so it's not unusual, but, you know, my daughter said, I still, I'm still waiting for, um, you know, child protective services to call. <laughs> Oh my like yeah, you know, because sometimes I walk in the kitchen like, Mamie, why you got so much whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jealous I didn't grow up closer to a spot like that versus like my life probably would have been a lot different if the closest opportunity for employment after graduating wasn't, you know, like Sears. <laughs> but I find my way back. So, it's But your good. grandmother worked there. Her grandmother exactly. worked there. Exactly. It's oh, continuing it's your, the tradition. Your family legacy at Sears. <laughs> Thanks. Family traditions are family traditions. That's awesome. Yeah. So can we talk about the 10 year? I mean, it's, it's where I started um, with Widow Jane. And I think a lot of people kind of start with recently. It's amazing. But can you talk us through the process? What we're, what we're, what we're we're experiencing, I guess, and um, kind of a little backstory on it and 
yeah, I'm going to do this. And I want Mary to pitch on from a bartender's standpoint. Um, this is one of the reasons I was hired because the tenure was a single barrel expression and they wanted to keep the, my bosses wanted to keep the tenure age statement on it, but they needed, we needed to source because I was originally hired as a consultant. So we needed to source from states. So um, they'd already, um, we inherited some barrels with the project, obviously. Um, we, um, Sam Penistori has owned them for, you know, Widow Jane for four years now. So um, we inherited some barrels. Uh, they purchased some before I started, and then I've been able to purchase since then. And um, they left it up to me how many barrels I wanted to use. And so lots of trials. I tried pretty much anywhere from three barrels to 23 barrels and settled in at five because that way I don't have to match barrel to barrel to barrel. Um, and it gives me a little bit of wiggle room, but still able to keep control with as many batches that we're blending. And I think we're close to, Mary, I think we're close to 350 batches now. But they, so, you know, um, when I'm blending, I'm always looking for dark stone fruit. I'm looking for cherry and I'm looking for baking spice. Then after that, anything goes. So that's the other thing about the five barrel um, small batch. It's just not that far off from a single barrel where it, um, each one still has its own personality. You know, it, it definitely has the Widow Jane notes, but then outside that, you know, it can go lots of different directions so and as it's evolving to it's changed you know I bought, bought a big lot of barrels when I first started and I bought them because they were such good blenders and they they weren't going to compete with some of the stuff that we had that had a lot more personality and um but they drank too young for their age statement so I moved them I moved them to a low profile warehouse and um they've taken off let's just say they've taken off <laughs> So now all these barrels with all this personality, which makes my job a little bit tougher, but makes the whiskey more interesting as we're getting some more age on um, some of those barrels. So, yeah, it's a labor of love. You know, um, Widow Jane is run, you know, our vice president's female and our director of operations female. And so the three of us sit down and, you know, make some calls on what barrels are coming in. My um, barrel manager, um, he was at Woodford years ago and then went to Antarctica and then ended up in Brooklyn. So um, he's got an amazing palate. So he's my first front line, but, you know, we have to bring, you know, trucks in and we know now which rick houses and which states uh, are producing what kind of results. And so we sit down and, you know, kind of do let's make a deal on what we're bringing in and how many barrels we're bringing in from which rick house. Um, so that's our first line. And then, you know, then it hits the warehouse. Um, Duncan will pull samples for me and, um, you know, but he's so good. His palate's so good. He'll tell me too. He also, Mark, you know, he'll say, this is, you know, low volume. So I know what an average volume is on each one of the states as it's coming in, but then he'll mark low volume. So I know that it's going to be a little bit more intense. Um, and I know that I'm going to have to, you know, underrepresent it in the blend a little bit. Um, you know, but that's all part of the game and, um, we're doing a pretty good job of it. Even through COVID, we've been doing okay, but I want Mary's bartending perspective on <laughs> so. The, the Widow Jane, uh, the 10, the flagship, as you will, I really love, it has a lot of um, tasting notes for me, a lot of cherry and almond, um, and it's a New York whiskey um, with amazing New York water used in both mashing and proofing, which I'm sure Lisa will get to in a minute. Um, but what I really love to cocktail with this is a New York sour. It's um, it's a classic sour uh, whiskey sour. This is a cocktail that lets the whiskey shine through traditionally, um, just a little sugar and citrus. Um, but the New York sour um, also gives you that little bit of wine on top, which I think is really appropriate for New York for for Widow Jane, and and it's named after New York as 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 we like to be the thought of the signature spirit from there. So um, that for me is is kind of a win. It's funny that you say that too, and being the signature spirit of New York, because for me, one of the things that's most pronounced about the tenure, it's, it's elegant. And that's not a word that I think I've ever used to describe whiskey before, but just how smooth it is and, and the way that the flavors kind of just, this is, this is going to get very poetic, but they just dance. I mean, it's, it's something that's alarmingly sippable in the best of ways. I do get a little bit of that, that spice and that baking spice specifically. I'm so glad you said it that way, Lisa, because I was like struggling to pinpoint it. But then the finish on it is just, you know, something that fits a lot of different occasions and a lot of different personalities around what I think of when I think of New York. Yeah, our demographic is just fascinating. I mean, yeah, we we really hit all walks of life, and um, yeah, you know, we definitely hit 
yeah, it's so interesting. It's so interesting. You know, somebody um, had called me and said, oh, you need to watch this Instagram live thing. I'm like, okay. And it was two guys that, and I love to fish. So that that's part of the reason I was following them anyway, but they're like, but the two guys in a fishing shop in Maryland and they're talking about all their new fishing gear and they're selling widow Jane. Out of the, <laughs> like the like you do, like you do. Apparently. I was just so impressed. I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at these guys. Right. You know, but we have the same thing. And, you know, um, at first, um, you know, I live in Brooklyn 90% of the time, but my primary residence is still Bardstown, Kentucky. And, and, um, you know, recently the former director of the, Bar- the Kentucky Bourbon Festival sends me a picture and she just picked up a bottle at Toddy's Liquor Store in Bardstown, which is like, it's the Holy Grail because that's where um, single barrels were first sold. But, like, you know, when um, Book- Booker No had these single barrels and he started selling when nobody knew what it was and people thought he, you know, was a dumb idea. But he did it kind of to share with his other distiller friends. And all these distillers hang out. It's this little metal yellow building, um, you know. Luckily for me, I just have to walk down the alley to get there. <laughs> but it's but you know, and the shelves are all warped. You know, it is not. There's nothing like like you, the word elegant. There's nothing elegant. Guthrie, it's all one word. Guthrie, who who runs it, you know, he's and he's always the skeptic. And when Jill told me that she had picked up a bottle of Widow Jane at Toddy's Liquor Store in Bardstown, Kentucky, and like. Damn, we're, we've made it. Well, and, <laughs> a whiskey maker for other distillers. Yeah, like. and and that's the thing too. I mean, you, you talk you talk about walking into a liquor store and it's nothing impressive, but like that's where you want your stuff to be. Um, there's maybe two liquor stores that like we're really good friends with up here that always have our backs, always know where to get something, even if we can't get it. And really neither of these liquor stores is, you know, anything spectacular to look at. Um, But like, they've just got it, you know? And like, if if somebody calls me and they're like, Hey, I need to get such and such. And I'm like, if it's Delaware, reach out, reach out to this guy. You know, if it's Maryland, reach out to get this guy. And like, that's, that's just it. And like, I, I I love hearing, hearing that from you guys before we jump into the decadence real quick, Mary, I think you wanted to say something about the, the Valentine's day bottling of the 10. Oh yeah. Just, just, um, this is a little something, little fun thing we're doing can kind of can be interactive for, for your listeners offline. Um, you'll notice on, on your bottle, we did a little one for cast chasers. Um, so on the side, you can jump onto our, uh, Widow Jane, uh, Instagram and you should be able to see, we'll have, um, a Widow Jane Valentine's or whiskey Valentine's up. So one of the beautiful things about Widow Jane, um, the beautiful label is a little, we have a little bit of white, white space on the side, uh, look clear like the Lisa's holding up right there. Um, and then you can get as creative as you want, but what a wonderful uh, way to give your partner um, a little, a little Valentine's whiskey Valentine um, for y'all to sip on each other with and really works for any holiday. Um, but it's great to jump on, jump on our, um, our instinct. You know, should be able to see everybody's kind of creative whiskey Valentine's that we're doing this year. Awesome. You by yourself, like I am to just buy yourself a bottle and write yourself a <laughs> Hey, self-love is important after the year we've had. That's very true. Yeah, everyone deserves it. Yeah. All right. So I think we're going to hop over to the decadence and we can talk about the decadence for a couple minutes here. So um, if we, uh, again, whatever you want to say about it, but if we can sort of piggyback off of the 10 and then talk about the decadence in comparison to that, if there even is any comparison, I, I haven't even noticed this yet, but go ahead. Yeah, decadent. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go backwards to what Mary pointed out too about our water. One of the things that makes Widow Jane whiskey is our water. Um, we get it from a cave in Rosendale, New York. Um, the name Widow Jane comes from that area. Uh, the Widow Jane mine is not where we source our water. Like the Widow Jane mine is like this, and our mine backs up like this. But they do not interconnect because they were man-made caves. So when they abandoned that business they all filled up with this water. So the water literally filtered down through all of this limestone. Um, and, you know, we have some amazing water. Obviously, our cave's under lock and key because I'm a little particular about the whiskey quality and <laughs> and the water quality and everything. So, and the water is incredible. The first thing I did when I started with the Widow Jane was have all kinds of water analysis done on it. Um, when the, you break down the recipe for this water, it's almost identical to a very famous French water in a green bottle and if you so I that's our people, sponsor no, it's kidding. not it's not <laughs> i but i encourage people to experiment we don't have a cast drink whiskey because we have to put 
the Widow Jane water in it to pop some of the Widow Jane notes, or it doesn't taste like Widow Jane. And people are like, oh, come on, that's, you know, that's a gimmick. I'm like, no, let some of that famous French mineral water go flat. Get a cast drink whiskey. We don't have one, so you'll have to buy a competitor's. And cut it with distilled water and cut it with flat mineral water. And you'll see what the difference is. It's remarkable because early on, I'm like, you know, I'm using whatever DI distilled water or RO reverse osmosis water I have. And, and cause I was lazy. Right. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, there is no comparison. I can't do that anymore. I always have to cut it with the limestone water because it's when people, you know, you mentioned like there's something about widow Jane that carries through all the products and that's what it is. It enhances these notes. It pops, especially the cherry, um, the dark stone fruit and the baking spice that I'm looking for for without it they can be muddy the flavors can be a little bit muddy in the baking spice and with it it like clarifies everything it's just pretty remarkable because it's adding its own set of flavors with the minerals and it. it's really high in magnesium and calcium um so we cut everything and people ask you know they ask are we ever going to have a cast drink whiskey it's unlikely unless it's one of ours that we've done you know that we released down the road um because the widow jane water has to be in it or it's just not widow jane the water plays such an aggressive role and has such a i mean i know the main ingredients of whiskey and water is one of them and then it's important important but how important it's it's my people would be impressed to know how important and at what phases too like distillation versus when you're tasting it and opening it up or cutting it or just oh yeah the step at which you're applying a certain quality of water or the quality might not matter depending on the step i mean that's its own science too did we, so. did we spend 72 dollars on water from on the internet yeah we, we may did. have <laughs> <laughs> that alone will make it taste amazing. is it real i don't know <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so impressed. Yeah, um, no, the water, everything. That's the reason you hear about Kentucky water, New York water, Pennsylvania water, Maryland, because all these limestone shelves, you know, they learned early on because the absence of iron, iron turns whiskey black. And so all this limestone filters that iron out. Not only does it enhance it and add these other minerals to it, but it filters all that iron out of it. Um, I didn't know that. Turns it black. That's interesting. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just distracted over here tasting this decadence. Um Remember when we were talking about this at the beginning of season two and like takeaways from season one that we wanted to have. And we, we were kind of joking around back and forth because in season one, the grading system for how well we liked a whiskey was asking if you'd steal it. And I'm not kidding. I'm drinking this decadence right now. And I'm just thinking about how I can distract Bobby and Dana and leave their house with this bottle today because I would absolutely steal this whiskey it's funny that you say that because i picked it up i took a sip and i was like all right how am i getting this bottle home so so great, we're, great. we're all plotting right now i should know how to um, keep this under I, I have a before we start talking about the amazing uh taste of this I, i'd like to hear from mary so this is called decadence tell me about your approach to what are you telling people about this before they even taste it? Or do you have them taste first? She and just says the word themselves? decadence. She goes, decadence here. The word helps. There's no, there's no, there's no um, question about that. Um, but, but it's, it's a sweet finisher, you know, like, I mean, and I can drink it and sip it anytime, but really, you know, when we're approaching an account or approaching a bar and, and, or a consumer, um, really it, for me, it's, it's, it's the decadent finish. Um, and so that just that sweet little bit of sweetness that you find in it from the maple uh, barrels, um, uh, makes it almost, almost in lieu of a dessert or to accompany one, um, or just sipping with fire or really with, with a cigar because of, because of that really beautiful, um, sweet note balances with that tobacco really beautifully. So it's a decadent experience that, that is, it's natural to think of when you're when you're um, entering kind of that wind down moment of your evening um, when the conversation gets really good and everybody's a little bit loose. Um, and that's for me, it's really decadent. You know, it's, it's fun and, to and, say. And like, and, and like Bobby, um, all you would have to do to this for a cocktail is just add whatever bitters you choose. So, it's really <laughs> so I'm going to send you my recipe and we can just kind of back and forth. It's not hard. It's it's not hard. It's accidentally put most of your bitters into the glass. That's where you yeah. start. That's it. That's it. And the rest is me. So I'll be honest with this. I When I first heard of it and I'm 100% behind everything, you know, Widow Jane does – my wife approached me with it. She wanted it so bad. She's like, I just need a bottle of the decadence. Her birthday passed. Christmas passed. Never happened because I don't listen. And um, so finally, one <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. One come and I'm thinking my worry is that that maple is going to be too sweet. It was going to I thought it was going to be too much, too much. 
it is not too much. No. It is. And, you know, we learned the word balance from Chris Morris from Woodford, how important that word balance means. It is balanced in a very good way. It does end gorgeously. It starts wonderfully. There's a great middle, but there's nothing that's too much in a bad way. And I, I this is my third glass. I had some last night. Full disclose. So I know. The bottle's going to be lighter it's sat when I'm there. You're not, not going to drink it. <laughs> I'm like, I got a show to do tomorrow on it. I should probably have some now and talk about <laughs> Do my research. Do my research. <laughs> I watched no videos, read no books. I just drank your whiskey and I was like, I'm ready to talk. Um, it's amazing. Question it's absolutely you. gorgeous. Question yeah, for when you I guys. started with this, when I've done so much cash flow product, you know, when I was coming up through the ranks, right? And I still have a lot of ranks to go through. So I don't want to sound like I'm like, you know, like the end of what I'm doing, but, um, you know, I had to do so much, so many products that were sticky sweet and then people would sometimes not be good. They would love them. And we, they purchased them and that was great cash flow. or people were hypercritical, you know, about, and I made sure that like with some client product, even though it had been proposed to use some artificial flavoring that I would break everything down and use all real everything. So whether it was spiced rum and I was doing 700 gallons of it, I would hand zest crates of limes you know, to pop them in the freezer until I was able to infuse that. I would um, make infusions of all, you know, the best allspice I could find. I, you know, um, I had one client that wanted me to make a spiced rum with vanilla on the nose and on the palate, ended up using four different types of vanilla, right? So um, because of being ridiculous that way, I've been able to break stuff down. Um, but I knew I didn't want to make something sticky sweet um, when this project was proposed to me. And so Crown Maple, um, their maple syrup is fabulous, right? And talking about Tawar, it doesn't, it's New York maple syrup. It doesn't taste like Canadian maple syrup. It doesn't taste like Indiana maple syrup. It doesn't taste like Michigan maple syrup. They all have their own thing going for them. So this one actually has a little more, um, I was raised with sassafras tea, which now I think they think is a, you know, like causes hallucinations or something. Very fun. We're all going to die anyway. It's fine. (laughs) My grandmother used to give it to me, and, but it has notes that the, the maple syrup itself has notes of sassafras and, um, you know, and, and some really interesting things and it's earthy and delicious and so good. So when, you know, I was thinking about the whiskey blend that was going to go into this, the thing is I did not want to cover up marginal whiskey with maple syrup and stick it on the market. I wanted to be sure that it was a standalone blend. And so I blend 21 to 23 barrels at a time. And my director of operations and the barrel manager both are like, you sure you want to use this for decadence? Is this a really good blend (laughs) blend on its own? And I said, well, thank you for that. But that's what, that was my goal. I wanted to be sure that it was a standalone whiskey blend before it was finished in the the, uh, maple syrup barrels. It's wonderfully flavored without being flavored. I think you you stuck the landing on that one. Yeah. And it's interesting because... I, the one thing I refuse to do because I've had to make such a variety of products over the years is like criticize anybody else's. But I did, I was curious. It's like, how are they getting these labeled? And some of them were like, um, maple liqueurs with bourbon added. So they go under distilled spirit specialty. You know, we wanted to keep this under whiskey. And so, you know, it's really interesting because I, you know, I've been very fortunate. People are so generous in this industry. So I, you know, text a very famous distiller and said, how, how the heck did you get this? I'm trying to stop cussing. Um, how the heck you <laughs> oh, there's no, to- no filter. You can, okay. whatever okay, you so want. So I said, how the hell did you get this passed? And he said, oh, let me check. Cause he didn't even know. And he's, he came back from his marketing people and said, yeah, we, you know, we had to label it distilled spirit specially, which was really interesting for one of the big guys to do that. Um, y- you know, so anyway, we- Keeping it real, right? So I real. There are a lot of like flavored whiskeys out there, you know, and they just what's I, that? What do you mean? Right, and like uh, like there's always something in there that just <laughs> like falls whiskey, short. Actual like, maple you know, syrup. Like it's, it's just like oh, okay, yep, sure well, does taste like blueberries. Yeah, there's some really good flavored whiskeys out there. That's the reason you find out that is somebody actually like using real blackberries in this. Is somebody actually using real? vanilla in this or is it a mix that comes from you know one of the flavor houses that they add to the back to the whiskey and so when you get a flavored whiskey that somebody has like broken down and made from their real stuff they're good they're good yeah and what one thing i i, I when you i'm, I'm going to talk notes because that's what i do but you knows this and it feels like it's going to kick you in the head 
when you drink it. Like there's this there's this zing in there. I'm like, what is that pepper? What is that? Like like I can't put my finger on it. I'm like, I think it's gonna hurt when I take a sip. But then I take a sip and I'm like, ooh, it's decadent. It, this is decadent. You know what they should have called it? No, but you really do. And then it feels it gets to the point where it feels like it's going to be too sweet, and then it stops. You know, it stops and you're like, ooh, and then some of that like pepper, that Christmas spice almost sort of fades away. And to me, the finish is almost like long cookie dough almost. I got like, that too, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it. it's just it's just like which just makes you happy and makes you want to get under a blanket around a fire and just the no the nose to the palate. Because I always go in over the before we like release vaults or before it goes in the bottle or decadence or something, I go in over the weekend and tweak and tweak and tweak. And it may be a half gallon from here or a half gallon from there. And I make sure that it's all balanced. And, um, you know, as they increase, you know, what I have to do, people are like, do you have weekends, my staff? I, I love yeah. listening to how excited all of us, we're like all tripping over each other to talk about how delicious this is in terms of nose and balance of flavor. I, I got to say, Lisa, when you were talking about sassafras, something clicked in my mind with this one, because when I first started nosing it, it, it was like an incense with a bit of vanilla. Like if you were to walk into a shop where you could probably buy a Grateful Dead t-shirt and some really cool like boho pants. Uh, <laughs> we got to start drug <laughs> testing. That's just my life. <laughs> Podcast. We're going to start drug testing. I like you grew up in Bloomington where I grew up. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> But yeah, you get a little bit of that and it's almost like hypnotic. And then you sink into the sweetness of the finish that we're talking about. And it's just that it's very luxurious. If you hadn't named this decadence, I would would name it luxurious. When you're talking to people about Widow Jane or even decadence especially, have you ever had somebody come back and just be like, nope, I don't get it. Like, I'm just curious because this is such an overwhelmingly positive (laughs) drinking experience i gotta imagine there are some skeptics out there i think there are always um no matter what you have you know every tasting is subjective the way we do it how you do it what you like um and sometimes people just you know are are in a bad mood and don't want to love good whiskey that day but (laughs) but um you know it's you just you just roll with it and it's it's one of those things where you can you know you can make the steak with the foie on top of it. Somebody hates steak. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And and we just hope there's a, there's enough of us that, that love it, that, you know, we keep, we keep trucking. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm on that team right. for now. For so now. <laughs> I, I'd like to uh, jump, not only jump ahead to another whiskey, but jump ahead to something that really seems like a neat thing you guys are doing that you'll never walk alone. Um, so it's the, oh, it's out of order. that's okay. That's okay. We, we, all right, scrap the whole thing. We'll go back to the beginning. All right. Um, so welcome right. to the show. So we've got Lisa here and we've got Mary. Um, welcome to the show, guys. Um, we, we do tastings and we'll, we'll be in front of a crowd and I'll look over at him and he'll be going through his spiel and I'll have mine and I'll realize I'll have the wrong whiskey and I've already <laughs> drank the other one. And I'm like, oh, now I have to fake it. And he's like, so this is very peaty. I'm like, incredibly peaty. <laughs> <laughs> basically i'm a liar so that's anything <laughs> yeah or right. a convincing actor so, so anybody listening to this if you're tasting these three go to this one second um and we'll, we'll do it that way so th- this is the you'll never walk alone first i really like the label on this guy mm-hmm. um it's got the you'll never walk alone letters cut out of the label itself Bella's our vice president. She's also our in-house art director and now is working across all the brands with Samson and Sturry on different projects, but she is insanely talented, insanely talented. Well, and I like just the way your whiskey is that everything has a Widow Jane note to it. All of these labels are definitely widow jane you know these are definitely widow jane labels but then they they each have their own fun thing like the 10 year we have has the fun valentine's day thing which is cool um the decadence has this uh gold ink on it which is a little shimmery which is nice but they all gold perhaps yeah maybe rose gold but they they're all definitively widow jane michelle has been on site with widow jane for eight years so she's been there like the longest right and um so it, it, there's, she just can pull off some things for Widow Jane that if we hired an outside art company, they just don't have, you know what I mean? She's lived it. She's breathed it. She was with the original company and um, she's incredibly fun to work with. 
I mean, I, I love when she and I have, sometimes, you know, they're like, the, the topic can be a little bit stressful and we'll sit down to collaborate on stuff. And it is always a joy to work with her. She's just, she's just, she's a visionary and um, it, it, yeah. And she has a huge pool of friends that are also incredibly artistic, whether it's a metal worker for this thing or whether it's a, you know, a builder for that thing or whatever. And um, our filmmaker, oh yeah, we need a filmmaker. Like, oh, she's like, oh, I've got five. And then you start to read their credentials like, whoa, okay. And then, but that's who she is, right? So um, she's well-connected here and um, everything that we do in-house is just, you know, it, it's, it, it couldn't be any better, right? And I, like I said, I, I love her and I love working with her very much. She's um, killing it. I got lucky because I inherited amazing staff. I've got an amazing team. I've hired several of them, but several of them were there when I got there and they're just remarkable people. Yeah, so... After COVID, um, we did not do the hand sanitizer. Um, I needed to close the distillery for several reasons. Brooklyn was falling apart very fast. Um, I didn't want anybody working with the chance that they wouldn't have a hospital bed if they needed it. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, we made some decisions. I did not know I was going to get COVID. So, you know, d dumb luck and divine intervention that I drove back to Kentucky and, you know, was sick where family was. And um, so, but we needed to get back. You know, we hadn't done the hand sanitizer. We needed to give something back to the community. And my boss, you know, we talked about it, what, what we were going to do. And, but he called me one day and he's like, yeah, we're going to do, you know, I want to call it. You'll never walk alone. Are you familiar with it? And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, the last time I heard it sung was my mother's funeral. It was her favorite song. So yeah, <laughs> I danced in carousel, uh, when I was dancing. Um, and so I knew the song from there, um, we have a very soccer oriented family. So I, you know, knew it from the Liverpool soccer club and, um, which is amazing. Cause on Instagram, Liverpool soccer club is following me on Instagram. <laughs> You've made it. That was it. That's, that, that's when you go. made it. You were, yes! That's why I could tell my family, like, you know, cause they're not impressed by anything. It's like, Hey, Liverpool's following me. <laughs> that's right. We have, we have actually a local bar and, and for a while I was trying to figure out, why? I mean, I mean, I, I think it's wonderful that they took cases and cases of this as an on-premise location right now. And then I, I figured out that they were a Liverpool bar. Mm. <laughs> they bought as much as they could. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it was an inspired project, right? You know, and it was distiller's choice on the blend. And so I've got whiskeys that are as old as 17 years old in this blend. Um, it was, you know, 23, 100% of the profits go to United States Bartenders Guild, which, you know, Mary can tell you more about that. Yeah, it's a split actually between the, the United States Bartenders Guild and uh, the, the charity foundation for them and, and CORE, which is children of restaurant employees um, to really kind of get money right into the hands of bartenders and bartenders families. Um, and, and in addition, giving um, on-premise outlets, um, something really cool to be able to sh share with their guests, whether it be in bottle or shop form. Um, as, as you know, many whiskey bars have turned into bottle shops. Um, but so trying to help on every level that we can of our, for our on-premise friends. You appreciate that culture at all. You know, my Thursday nights with the bar around the corner here, talking to Christy, the bartender that's my age, about our kids and life. And, you know, and it's like, it is left. And, and sometimes she'd apologize. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm out of Widow Jane. I'm like, that's okay. She's like, I'm ordering another bottle. But, you know, it's that whole, and I'm like, I'm not here to sell you whiskey. I'm here to talk, you know, talk to you and have some food and, and go home because it's Thursday night. I've almost made it, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, but it's such a part of our culture, you know, it's just, you know, I see my kids and the first thing, you know, it's like, let's go grab a beer or let's go find the best cocktail place we can. Or, you know, it's the whole spectrum of that. Right. And it's such a part of what, who we are and what we do uh, and our culture every day. It's just been, you know, it's, it's been a bigger hit than it could have possibly been. And also the bartenders and the restaurant people are, I'm talking about how good our front line is with Samson and Story, but that's even like Mary's front line. Right. You know, it's like the bartenders are her front line. You know, it's such a, a tight knit community, even just, I mean, within baby DC and Maryland, Baltimore, we definitely have a relationship to across those lines, but all across the country because of different programs we go and tales of the cocktail and camp run amok and all these crazy things we do together. Um, we're, it's a really, really connected culture, um, but we're culture, um, 
and fun culture, but uh, <laughs> there's really, really inter- interconnected um, between cities. So it's, there's, there's a, definitely a strong network there. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, but uh, before, before we finally wrap it up, um, I'd like to hear from, you know, each of you, if, if there's, if there's anything, you know, you missed a pitch you want to give I, your kids softball team. I don't care. We'll support it. We'll support it. But like, who I, needs I, a bat? That's right. I <laughs> want, want to hear from each of you what's going on right now. Keeping in mind, this is coming out sometime in March. Um, what's going on right now? What's coming soon? What are you excited about? If you want to pitch Instagrams, whatever, um, we'll start with Lisa and then go to Mary. Lisa. Oh, I was just going to say, let's start with Mary. <laughs> well, okay. Let's start with Mary and then we'll go to Lisa. Lisa okay. can think about it. Yeah. Go ahead, Mary. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I just want to thank you all for, for having us. This has been really wonderful. Um, as this is coming out in March, uh, I think just I, just go and check out Widow Jane's Instagram for sure. Um, those the, the Whiskey Valentines are fun, but, but also we talked about the mine today and we have amazing uh, like – virtual tour of the mine on our Instagram. And so that's definitely worth the look. Um, and then, you know, all, all, everything that we tasted today, um, is, is in markets. Um, the 10 always across the country decadence in quite a few, and then never walk alone in, in certain ones that are, that are bartender heavy, New York city, um, Pennsylvania, Chicago, Texas, San Francisco, and DC and Maryland, um, um, are going to have those. So go out and grab those, support your local bartender. That's why I wanted me to go first. This, you know, if we're going to get sappy, like we, you know, we started out the show and stuff, it almost physically hurts, you know, because I see Mary and I would give anything just to be able to get back to like our company meeting and uh, because we're spread out all over the country, you know, and, um, and we're in touch frequently, but it's, you know, it's, it, yeah, anyway, like having that connection and we've had a lot of success in this past year and, um, being able to get together and just kind of rehash some of that would be a tremendous gift right now. But um, yeah, you know, like Mary said, follow us on Instagram. Um, I post very infrequently, but you can follow me at LB Wicker um, on, on there. And anybody has any inquiries, Lisa at widowjane.com. I t- sometimes takes a while to get through my emails, but I do get through all of them. It may be 19 days before you hear from me, but I will get to it. So um um, but yeah, cause I love questions. I had, you know, people tell me, you know, ask me how, you know, how do I drink this? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I, you know, there's, I love that they're not embarrassed to ask those questions because we're all still learning. Right. So thank you both so much for being willing to join us. And, you know, I, I'd love if we can do this again in person when, whenever possible, whenever safe, because this has been an absolute blast. Um, so when we're releasing this episode in March, our theme for March is actually women in whiskey. And I think my favorite part about our entire conversation today is that that didn't come up at once. I mean, that's, it's just an afterthought because the stories, the experience, the passion, everything that we've covered today is just something that is part of your guys' story and is part of everything that you've touched. So I really want to thank you for that um, because this has been an incredible conversation and just the start of many more to come. 